Hello, welcome to Stories for Wonderful Children, the podcast where I share recordings of the bedtime stories that I've improvised for my children over the years. I'm Dan Wendelin, your host and storyteller. In today's story, we continue the tale of Ia and Dak, with Shan traveling to his old school for magic to find a solution for the troublesome shapeshifter called the Kaw that has been plaguing Ia's kingdom. I hope you enjoy the story. Shan left bright and early the next morning and flew for most of that day until he reached the coast, the ocean. He did not want to try to fly over the ocean at night because if he got sleepy, he might fall in. And so he landed and he looked around and he found an inn, which is sort of like a small hotel. He found an inn right near the coast. And he stopped, and he had dinner there, and he spent the night there. And dinner was fairly unusual. They did not have any of the food that he had ever heard of before. What? Well, they didn't have any sort of pasta, no french fries, no macaroni and cheese, no chicken strips. So he asked them what their special was, what they were really good at. And they said that they were really good at making something called jambalaya which is sort of a mixture of all sorts of different meats and vegetables. It has some pasta in it. And Shan said, well, sure, I'll try that. And then they gave him some fresh-squeezed lemonade. And he drank the lemonade, and it was indeed fresh-squeezed. It tasted really good. Sour? A little bit. Just the way good lemonade should be. I would not drink, not eat that stuff. Well, he was a little worried about it. But... He always tried to at least try something new, and so he tried it. I would only eat the vegetables. Well, he tried it, and he sort of liked it. It wasn't, you know, the very best thing he'd ever had, but it was certainly okay. He was tired after a long day of flying. Then he went to bed, he got a good night's sleep, and he had a strange dream while he was asleep. In the dream, he was a raven. But even though he was a raven... He could still use his storm powers. So he was a raven, but he used the wind to keep him aloft on his wings. And as he was flying along, suddenly he saw a statue floating in front of him. And the statue whispered a single word to him in a very, very deep voice, so deep that Shan could almost sort of hear it with his bones instead of his ears. The word that the statue said was under. Shan woke up and thought that it was a very peculiar dream. He didn't usually remember his dreams, and this one had seemed unusually real. So he lay in bed for a minute, thinking about it, trying to figure out if it meant something. But he couldn't think of anything that it would mean. Went downstairs, he had breakfast. And then he stepped outside and he summoned the wind. And he went up into the air. And he flew over the ocean all day. Which was really sort of interesting because when you're up above the ocean, you can look down and sometimes see interesting things like mermaids swimming along, looking at the surface world. 
and sometimes you can see whales, and sometimes you can see great sea beasts like the kraken, which or is sort of sharks. Sharks, yep, big sharks. Or yep. Although octopuses tend to like to hang out near the bottom, so he didn't actually see any of those. Did he see mermaids? He did see mermaids. He saw a whole group of them that were sort of on some rocks and seemed to be having a little singing contest. But he didn't have time. As much as he loved the, the singing of mermaids, he didn't have time on that day to stop and listen. So he continued on until he saw the end of the ocean. And he stopped and he rested for the night. There was no inn on this side of the ocean. And so he simply sort of rolled himself up in his cloak, and he slept on the beach after making kind of a pillow, you know, heaping sand up to make kind of a sort of pillow. He slept well and didn't have any problems, and he woke up in the morning and spent a few minutes trying to brush all the sand out of his hair and clothes, which he did not succeed in doing. But he got it better than it was. Was there water there? Yeah, he was on the beach. That would have washed it off, wouldn't it? Yeah. The last part of his journey, Shan had to walk because he was almost to the school and at the magic academy. No one was allowed to use magic unless you had the permission of the teachers. And you could not teleport in or fly in or burrow in or do any other magical way of arriving. You had to walk. So Shan walked up off the beach. And he soon entered an area where clearly someone was taking care of it because there were big trees that were pruned even at the very top. And Shan walked What along. does pruned mean? It means that they sort of clipped off the stray branches and the dead branches. And soon Shan was walking along and he heard heavy footsteps behind him. And soon from just behind him, he saw a huge giant step out from behind a tree, and the giant took three steps toward him. Boom, boom, boom. To a standing right, almost right over him. And Shan looked up and he said, Hello, Harvey. Harvey said, Hmm, Shan, we haven't seen you around here in quite some time. And Shan said, The garden's looking nice, the grounds look great. You're doing a wonderful job, Harvey. Thank you. Take great pride in these trees. So, uh, peaches in yet? Mm, not yet. Think another week or two. Maybe, uh, you could arrange for a little extra sunshine while we're here. We could get some peaches. Oh, I'd love to, Harvey said Shan, but I'm just here to get some advice from the teachers. And then I've got to be right back on my way. Have someone waiting for me. Ooh, young lady? As a matter of fact, yes, said Shan. Well, that's sweet, said Harvey. Well, enjoy your day. I hope they can help you out at the school. Thanks, said Shan. He waved goodbye. As he walked along, soon he came across some paths, and the paths led into bigger paths, and the bigger paths, until he was on sort of a wide sort of boulevard, grass along either side and trees along either side, and up ahead of him he could see the Academy of Magic. It looked, actually, you know what it looked just like, almost? What? Floor's Castle. That was what it looked like. 
except floors was sort of gray, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was shaped a lot like floors, but it wasn't built out of gray stone. It was built out of sort of these large, uh, kind of reddish bricks. So if you imagine Floor's Castle except with kind of a reddish color, then you have a pretty good idea of what the Academy of Magic looked like. And Shan walked right up to the door and he knocked. And then the door swung open and standing just inside the door was a woman who had, instead of hair, she had snakes. Shan said, Maddie, how are you? I haven't seen you in forever. I'm just fine, Shan. She said, what brings you back? He said, I have to talk to Master Antros. Is he in? Yeah, he's upstairs. I think he's just finishing up the advanced flying class. But then I don't think he has anything on his schedule. Great, said Shan. He went up the stairs and Maddie closed the door behind him. And then went back to dusting the entrance hall, which is what she'd been doing when she when he arrived. The snakes that were her hair helped her. Each one had sort of a little dust cloth in its mouth, and when she had to do things like dust the lamps, she would stand up on top of a ladder and just put her head near the chandelier, and the snakes would reach up and dust the little cracks and crevices. Well, Shan reached the top of the stairs just as the door to Master Antros's room opened, and a number of students came out. Shan waited until they all left, and then he stepped in. Shan, my boy, said Master Antros from behind his desk. Master Antros was a man of sort of medium size with more wrinkles than anyone you have ever seen in your life. But they were all wrinkles, the kind of wrinkles you would get when you smiled. So there were the wrinkles around here and the wrinkles at the corners of your eyes. He didn't have any frown wrinkles at all. And he had Did he very... have 100 and 900? Yeah, that many. He had very white hair, and he was wearing a robe that was sort of a light greenish color. And it was a robe that looked like it had not been changed in, well, ever. It had what looked like coffee stains and chemical stains and bleach spots and burn spots and little bits snipped out of it and other little patches sewn onto it. Made Master Antros look like quite a character. Master Antros, said Shan, I'm hoping you can help me. What seems to be the problem? Antros motioned for a chair for Shan to sit in. Shan told him then the story about how he had met Ia and about how he had saved her from having to marry, and about how he really liked her, and she seemed to really like him, and about how he had then saved her again from an invading army, and about the problem that she was having with the shapeshifter named Ka. Antros said, Hmm, can't say I recall someone named Ka training here. Don't think he's one of ours. Let me see. Let me look up in the school records. He motioned to the bookshelves behind him and an extremely large book, about this big, book like that, floated off the shelf and came to land with a gentle on Master Antress's desk. 
Antrons laid his hand on the book for a moment and closed his eyes, and then the book flipped open and began flipping through pages. After a moment, it slowed and then stopped. Antros leaned forward and squinted at the book. Then he patted the pockets of his patched robe, and not finding what he wanted there, he patted another pocket, reached into it, and pulled out what appeared to be a large insect that was quite alive and wiggling its legs. Shaking his head no, he stuck the insect back into that pocket and reached into another pocket and did not find anything that he wanted. Although when he pulled his hand out, it was sort of dyed a strange, sort of glowing bluish color for a moment. And then frowning, Master Andros reached up and found his glasses where he had left them sitting on top of his head. And he pulled them down so that he could read and leaned forward and looked at the book and said, Hmm, interesting. He said, There was a student named Edward Clavel who was here not that long after you were, Shan. And he studied uh, transmogrification and shape-shifting. He was not a very gifted student, uh, except in that one area where he had really quite extraordinary talents. Seems he liked the form of a raven, and of a wolf, and also of a snake, and of a tick. Hmm, tick. Can't say I've ever had a student that I recall besides him who liked being a tick. Kind of creepy, if you ask me. Yeah, said Chan, it, it, it is actually kind of creepy. Um, so you think this um, Edward Clavel might be this caw guy? Could be, said Antros. Hardly matters now. What you need, my boy, is a way to uh, stop a shapeshifter from escaping, isn't it? Well, yes, said Shan. Let me think for a moment. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, he reached into a pocket, said, Would you like a piece of gum? Shan, who is well acquainted with uh, Professor Antros's pockets and what one might or might not find in them, politely declined. Professor Antros. What did decline mean? Said, No, thank you. Why did he say no thank you? Because he was afraid to see what what Master Antros was going to pull out of his pocket and try to give him his gum. <laughs> Professor Antros pulled something out of his pocket that might have once been gum and popped it into his mouth. He chewed for a moment or two thoughtfully before his eyes widened and he looked around frantically and went into the closest wastebasket. Hmm, he said. wonder what that was. Anyway, he said, shapeshifters. Yeah, tricky bunch. Um, here's what I think you need. I think that you need the silver cuffs of Tarhoom. The what of what, said Shan? The silver cuffs of Tarhoom. All right, said Shan, what do they do? If you put them on a shapeshifter, it restricts their ability to change shape. That's perfect, said Shan. Where, you have them here? Oh, no. No, 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 I'd like a pair of silver cuffs of Tarhoom. It would help those, help, uh, help when we have those shape-shifting students who think it's funny to, uh, shape-shift into wildebeests and then trample around in my office as a practical joke. No, no, um, the only known pair of, uh, cuffs of Tarhoom was lost 
about 30 years ago in the Forbidden Forest by a student who had borrowed them uh, for who knows what. I've forgotten. The Forbidden Forest, said Chin. Or no, maybe it wasn't the Forbidden Forest, said uh, Master Antros. Come to think of it, I think it might have been the Missing Mountain. Oh, said Chin. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, what do they look like, and is there any good way I could find them? Well, said uh, Master Antros, I imagine the cuffs would be quite easy to find, really. Uh, you should be able to sense them. They're very powerful magic. Provided, of course, that you can find the Missing Mountain. Well, yeah, said Chan, I've heard of the Missing Mountain. Do you have a map or something of where it is? Of course not, said Master Antros. Have you forgotten everything from your, from your xenogeography class? The Missing Mountain is called the Missing Mountain because it's missing. No one knows where it is. Ah, oh, of course, said Chan. Although, come to think of it, said Professor Antros, I do believe that, uh, that Louis, Louis the Naga claimed one time to know where it was. Louis still here, said Chan. Oh, yes, said Professor Antros. He stops by every few weeks and trades with the students for, for things that they can't get any other way. Why don't you uh, stick around, have dinner with us? You can talk to him tomorrow. Uh, I do not want to have to make a bargain with Louis, said Shan. Well, said Professor Antros, I don't see that you have any choice. All right, said Shan, I'll stay for dinner. And he did. He stayed for dinner and had a wonderful dinner. Got to see all his old teachers. And he slept that night. What is Louis anyway? He slept that night. And the next day, he got to see Louis. And tomorrow night, I will tell you about how Shan met Louis. What is Louis? And about how Louis helped him. What is him. Louis? Gargoyle? Dragon? Naga. Oh. What's a naga? Sort of uh, like someone who looks like a fish. person who's half fish. Not like a mermaid, though. They've got scales all over. Thanks for listening to Stories for Wonderful Children. I created today's story, but questions and witty commentary were supplied by my children. The music was created by Brandon Thompson. Your reviews and personal recommendations are the main way that new listeners find the show, so thank you for spreading the word. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to get in touch via email or social media, which are listed in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Dan Wendelin, reminding you to tell someone you love a story.